This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Equity Mind! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. We've just come off a fascinating episode unpacking the IPO process with Tom Cowan from TDM Growth Partners. And now I'm very excited for this second part where we unpack how a particular company is thinking about the IPO process, getting a little bit more practical. And yeah, I'm really excited for it. Yes, it is our great pleasure to welcome Tom Cowan again from TDM. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Great to be back. And very excited to welcome Stephen Marks, the founder and CEO of Guzman y Gomez. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. How are we doing? Very well. Very, very well. well. Good to be here. Thank you. So the reason we have Stephen on the show today, one day he dreams of IPOing and uh, we thought there'd be no better sort of time to speak about how you're thinking about potentially getting an IPO and having Tom here as well, who knows all about it to talk through it. So let's kick off. Yeah. So Stephen, for people who aren't familiar with yourself and with Guzman, can you just tell us a bit about your background and how you came to founding Guzman? Yeah, sure. So I'm not Australian, even though I know I sound like it. uh, (laughs) So I was very lucky growing up in New York. I had amazing Mexican food. And um, before I landed in Australia, I actually had a, a finance background. I went to school uh, at University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, ended up working on Wall Street. Guy who I started with on Wall Street became probably one of the best hedge fund traders of all time. His name is Stevie Cohen, had a company called SAC Capital, changed its name to uh, 0.72. I think Billions is kind of based on him. He's uh, he's an amazing, amazing trader. Left there, uh, moved to London to set up uh, the U.S. side with Funko Cheney Capital. That's when I met my first Aussie, who was hysterical. <laughs> they were, they were, like, now you got Aussies running around the east and west coast of New York of the United States. Back then, they weren't around. And I remember just keen, seeing pictures of Bondi Beach. 
And I was just like, I'm moving there. I'm like, you know, I'm out of this Wall Street game. And I actually came down because half my family's from New York. The other half is from Miami. And I had this dream since I was a little kid to build a hotel. And I came down there thinking like Bondi Beach was going to be like the South Beach for Asia. Came down here. My best friend growing up, whose family had a big clothing company, met a new, uh, an Aussie girl in New York. And like all Aussies, they come home at some point. So she dragged him back to Australia. So uh, it was him and I in Australia. For some reason, I couldn't zone this building that I wanted. And uh, him and I set up a business. And we had uh, fashion and music. And one thing that I truly missed growing up in New York was uh, amazing Mexican food. I mean, New York grew up with a lot of Latins. So uh, as any entrepreneur, and I've always been entrepreneurial since I was a kid, uh, if you think you can do it better. So uh, after eating at almost every Mexican restaurant in Australia and making sure I knew that they weren't doing it right, we uh, set up Guzmani Gomez, which is named after, well, named in honor of, of very close friends of ours in New York. So you went from founding one Guzman store in 2006. Is that right? Yeah, the yeah. baby. The baby's in Newtown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have eaten at that one, actually. There you go. Yeah, the, pretty good. The, fla the flagship <laughs> store, the very first. Yes. So you went from one store to now operating uh, 140 stores around Australia, which is a pretty incredible growth story in not that long a period of time. So can you tell us a bit about the story and uh, some of the milestones along the way? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a founder, you and, and especially as somebody that's, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely competitive and I, and I can't lose. But I think leaving Wall Street, what's most important to me is having ethics. You know, but it was funny. I thought, I mean, the Aussies, I thought they would know what I was doing, right? And I mean, everybody speaks English. Everybody understands what Mexican food is. But when we opened up a new town, they didn't have a clue. <laughs> they didn't know what black beans were. They thought all the Mexicans were Indians. They, you know, I, we were the first ones doing pulled pork shoulders. They thought it was sexual. I had to call it slow roast, you know. And uh, they didn't know what a tortilla was. I mean, like the ones that knew knew, but the majority didn't know. They didn't. Like, how can you put rice and beans in a burrito? I'm like, what else do you put in them? You know what I mean? Like it was the education. Either I underestimated or overestimated. You know, what I mean the education, but we didn't stop. You know what I mean? And it's funny, like the people that knew what we were doing, you know what I mean? And we had the most beautiful staff and, you know, and, and our food was, I mean, it was beautiful. We had the best brisket and, you know, these, you know, beautiful five fillets on the grill and our marinades were all these beautiful traditional marinades. I brought chefs in from Mexico, you know, so found every Mexican living in, you know, in Sydney. You know what I mean? You know, I, I, I said before my wife thought I was having an affair. I heard somebody speak, <laughs> somebody speak Spanish. I was like, I'll be right back. I want to go find them, you know? And then we opened up, but it wasn't doing very well. I mean, I remember the first week Newtown did 11,000, you know, last week he did 95,000, you know, but I was just like, you know what, but I, I knew it was special, you know, coming from running hedge funds to, you know, selling, to selling burritos in Australia. It wasn't like, I didn't think that's what I would be doing, but the people were so beautiful at GYG and, and obviously it's called Guzmani Gomez, the letter Y means end in Spanish. And I knew the Aussies would shorten it because they, they, they like to shorten things, right? So everybody just called it GYG. And, you know, and as you pour your passion into something. And, and and one thing about me is whenever I build something, it's gotta be unique. Like I gotta make sure like whatever, if you're competitive, you wanna build the best business possible, the best experience possible. And I truly believe you can't build something best in class if you copy from other people. So our kitchen setups were ours, all the artwork was ours, all the design for the uniform was ours, all the recipes were ours. And even though, you know, we were getting killed in the first store, we opened up a second store. You know, and that was worse than the first store. And then, like, as any good entrepreneur, thank God it was my money. And I had a business partner who's a co-founder. His name is Robert Hazen. And uh, we opened up a third store, right? And that was losing even more money. And then uh, Robert kept looking at me. He's like, why are we the ones that have to reintroduce Mexican food? Why can't somebody else do it? But what you do is when you struggle and, 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 you, and you refuse to lose, there's two things you do, right? 
you, you don't compromise on anything. Like I, I refuse to compromise on food. We were a food company. And to this day, 15 years later, I've never, ever compromised. And I think the investors and people at GOG know that they, they can't push me. Because to me, once you compromise, then, then you don't win. You don't deserve that right to win. And the other thing is people. You know, you know, you realize, man, you need great people around you at all times. So to me, it's always product and people. And I think the advantage for us is because we were doing so poorly. Like my mom, who's from New York, she called it the race to bankruptcy. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, you sure you know what you're doing? Maybe she come back work on Wall Street. I'm like, I'm telling you, this is the thing. She's just like, I'm telling you, you're crazy. Like, you have no idea what you're doing. But what happened to GYG was because Australia has obviously a smaller population than the U.S. is that I was like, you know what? I don't care if I lose all my money, but I'm not going to lose it because the food's not incredible or the systems aren't. Mm. And we ended up, you know, realizing that people in Australia eat between 12 and 2 and 6 to 9, that we had to build faster systems to make sure that we can feed the people when they wanted to eat. And, you know, as you build a business, you go through tough times. Either, either you sink or you evolve, you know, and knowing that you will get there one day. And, and that's what we did. We actually ended up building probably in time the fastest fresh food operating platform probably anywhere in the world. And, uh, and it's something I'm, we developed our own sticker systems and kitchen delivery systems. You know, just knowing that in time, once people got to eat our food, we knew they would love it, man. It was just, it was so fresh. It had so much flavor. You know, we just, people, people didn't realize, they didn't know what Chipotle was. And they didn't know what, you know, they didn't know what real guacamole was. And they didn't really know what a real tortilla was. And I mean, and I'm blessed that we had amazing people along the journey to help us make sure that we got this beautiful product in people's hands to try and that's, that was obviously the, the turning point. Epic story. In 2020, this year, you opened your first US store in a suburb 40 minutes outside of Chicago. Why that location as opposed to somewhere, you know, like a major, you know, LA or yeah, back in your hometown? Your hometown of New York. Because Naperville is the best city in the United States. You guys just didn't know that. You guys just haven't heard, you never heard of it. Never. <laughs> no. Well, we, we were looking at places, you know, once we start, we opened up our first drive through in Narang in Queensland. And it's funny, when we had our fifth restaurant and as things started to turn, we needed to find investors. And the guys that were responsible for the growth of McDonald's in Australia, like the first store in Australia throughout a guy named Pete Ritchie and Guy Russo and Steve German. They come, they came on board. And one thing I said to them, I said, nobody touches my food. Nobody touches <laughs> my food and my people. But these guys are great real estate people and, and great people in general. I mean, great business people. They've been through the journey with McDonald's. They didn't make money for years. And they understood that the reason that people love food brands is because of the food, right? And the guest experience that you give people. So all of a sudden, a drive-through opened up, and all I was fixated on was like, my people got to be protected. Nobody can touch the food, and we got to go faster, fresher and faster and hotter. And all of a sudden, a drive-through opportunity popped up in Narang, and we opened it up, and we realized we had the same experience time in McDonald's. And I won't go into McDonald's food. Everybody can do that on their own. I'm slightly biased to my food. <laughs> but uh, And then at that cool. point, I remember Steve German, who was our chairman, who was with McDonald's as, a, as the uh, deputy managing director and CFO, he goes, I think the time is now. So all of a sudden we're like, nobody in the US and obviously Mexicans like pizza over there, right? But nobody was doing breakfast, lunch, dinner at our speed through drive-throughs. Anywhere in the country, you either had Taco Bell or you had Chipotle, you know, and GYG was like this hybrid of both, you know what I mean? And Taco and Chipotle had a linear setup. We built this double linear setup so we can do nachos and fries and, and have a point of difference for our menu where you couldn't do with a linear. So when that drive-through opened up, we realized this is this is going to be the key to GYG. And that's five years ago. Now we have between thirty and forty drive-throughs. We'll open up another probably twenty this year. And obviously during COVID, it was very key to have these drive-throughs. Is that we decided that we had to pick the right suburb of the right city in the U.S. And it was between D.C. and Chicago. After doing a whole you know 
quant study of the U.S. and a real estate study. Then Trumpy got into office. So we're like, all right, we're out of D.C. And uh, <laughs> we're like, you know, Chicago's a place. And we went to go find the best neighborhood in Chicago. And it was Naperville. And we opened up this gorgeous double lane drive through in January 2020. And it, and it took off. And then COVID hit. So it's obviously dropped in sales, but it's still a double lane drive through and, and to have drive throughs during COVID right now is, is key. Mm. So uh, sales are picking back up and we're looking to open up another two to three restaurants in the next 12 months. So Tom, I'm interested to bring your perspective into this conversation now. We've just heard of Stephen's incredible growth story with JYG. When did you first hear about JYG? When did you start thinking about it as an investment? And like, what was the process for TDM to get involved? Yeah, no, sure. So a number of the people in the office love JYG food and had for many years. And in fact, I remember this was probably 2000 and maybe 11, 12, and, and we used to have an office on Hunter Street and we'd go and get a salad at MLC for lunch. And one of my business partners, Ben, as we were lining up to get the salad, would tottle off and, and, and get a burrito. <laughs> and so where, where did that come from? It's like, ah, oh, you, you, you know, you should stop eating these salads. These are awesome. And so there was this building love amongst the team in the office for GYG. Then we got a phone call from Morgan Stanley and said, we're looking to raise this money for this awesome company called GYG and would you be interested? And they're looking on taking on the, the US. We thought, mm, that sounds a little bonkers. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, are you happy to take the meeting anyway? I said, love, love to meet the founder. And it was love at first sight. Did you meet at a GYJ? <laughs> Surely. Surely. Normally the first meeting. We've had a hundred meetings yeah. since at GYJ when he's not sending me pictures of tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely love at first sight. So I met Steve and was like, wow, this guy can create a seriously good business. And, and so we actually invested two years ago almost to the day, roughly. And it's been an amazing journey and very, very excited about the future. Do you still think the US is bonkers? No. So <laughs> <laughs> the key with anything is when, when you're moving offshore, and we say it to all our businesses, and GYG was one, Stephen heard it a number of times, is start slowly, have success, and keep building. And so rather than going to the US, opening 20 stores and seeing whether you work, open one, does it work? Let's go to two. Two works, let's go to three. And Certainly, I mean, all the early signs are fantastic and, you know, obviously the opportunity is massive and we think it's worth continuing to build from here and, you know, the first story is awesome. So very pumped up about the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stephen, to your credit, like they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and you must look around the Australian landscape now and see the amount of other people trying to do Mexican and think that, you know, you started this. It must be a pretty good feeling to see the influence you've had on the Australian restaurant landscape. Yeah, I mean, um, especially fast food, right? Everybody wants to get out of fast food and I want to get into fast food. <laughs> Everybody's like, but you don't look like fast food. I said, but I am fast food. Like, I want to really disrupt that industry. And, and, we've, and we've worked so hard. You know, we launched a menu that was called, a campaign called Clean is the New Healthy. So we got a clean menu, you know what I mean? We launched $3 Taco. We got real value in our menu. It's just that, you know, we want everybody in Australia to enjoy GYG. And it's so important. And I, and I guess, you know, when somebody... Uh, you know, imitate you. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a compliment, right? But, you know, we really don't care about anybody else. Like, I, I care about the GYG family and making sure our guests get everything that they want. And I think, you know, TC said it earlier is that things take time. 
You know what I mean? And if you really, I mean, I, I love this business more than anything, you know, and I want to make sure that my people are supported, my franchisees are supported. We have corporate restaurants, but I'm I'm in no rush, you know what I mean? And that's why I think TC and the team at TDM are great partners is that, I mean, what in the rush for, man? We want to create legacy. You know, I want to, I, we want to build the best restaurant company in the world. And you're not going to do that tomorrow. You know, it's, it's just continuous. Like there's no one thing why, man. It's just, it's nonstop, you know, and even my leadership team, like, is this ever going to end? I'm like, never, <laughs> <laughs> ever, you know, and that's the fun. So either you want to be part of that high performance culture, right? Cause you, cause it never ends and it has to be fully ethical and you have to win and just, and as you build momentum, it doesn't stop. And you know, it's funny TC, you know, and, and the team, it's kind of like where they play such a major role is that, you know, you need quality, quality people with you to execute. Right, especially as a founder, I think some founders don't like to give up control, man. I'm always looking for somebody that's way smarter than me. Be like, hey, you take this, right? <laughs> uh, I'll just worry about the tacos. And uh, and and these guys have come out, I mean, and really helped me build. You know, like like TC talks about. You I mean having a great board, having great investors. You know, I mean, which which is really key because these guys have to understand the journey, and everybody can't be in a rush, right? And they can't be in a rush to compromise. But once you build that AAA, you know, senior management team. That's when you got it. And these guys, man, have been super helpful in, in helping and giving us time to make sure we got the best team, you know, to, to obviously drive uh, uh, what the future is going to look like for GYG. Before we jump into the the future of GYG, I'd be interested to know, has COVID resulted in any sort of fundamental change for the business for the better that you perhaps were thinking about further down the track or that sort of sort of mean like, you know, a, a big learning I want to say we were lucky. You know, I mean, we're one of the most delivered. Pro I think the GYG chicken burrito was the most delivered product, you know, in Australia. Wow. You know, so I always believe, I man. I see so saying, many Uber <laughs> Eats riders outside dude. every JYJ. It's wow. crazy. I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. Like all ever, people kept saying, you know, I, that's what I said about fast food. We want to be fast food. And the whole thing is like, when did fast food become bad for you? Man, yeah. our food is clean. Mm. It's healthy. But we have fun with you. You still have corn chips and nachos, man, if it's clean. So all I ever want to do was takeaway, delivery, drive through. So when COVID hit. That's the best part of our business. Yeah, we have dining rooms. You can have a Corona and anything, but we do takeaway delivery and drive through better than anyone. Mm. And when COVID hit and you wanted contactless pickup and I, I, it's amazing how people are like, are the restaurants clean? I'm like, yeah, they're clean. You know I mean, like, are, they, are the crew, is there hygiene? Yeah, man, we run restaurants. Of course it is. <laughs> I never knew that wasn't a focus. So, um, but one thing, you know, I think that's really important when COVID hit and we weren't sure Australia was going to lockdown. Obviously, I'm a big investor in GYG and so is TC. You know, it came down to the point of, what are we going to do? You know, I mean, this comes into governance and everything. Like, you know, we still have a business to run. And one of this thing goes to full lockdown. There's 110 people in in our, we call it Ola Central and Sorry Hills. We got 5,000 in the restaurants. We got franchisees. And you know, I said to them, I said, I'm not letting anybody go. I said, Unless we go into lockdown, man, it's the culture of GYG. Man, these people, I need these people. We've invested in this foundation for so long. You know, we're keeping our people. If we got to open up one less restaurant, then that's what we'll do. And these guys were just like, you do whatever you got to do with your team. And we're fully supportive. And that changed our business. So COVID changed and the momentum of our people and the belief they have in GYG, you can't fake that. Mm. Right? Either culture is you believe it in your soul and I'm all like, nobody can touch my people, man, in my life. You know what I mean? Either that's true or it's not, right? You can't, you can't buy culture. You yeah. Know? You can't buy product, you know? So I think that's, I mean, that's the key when you look at a business, right? They got product and people. Don't touch the food either, by and the don't way. Don't touch the food. <laughs> <laughs> so Bryce introduced the conversation by talking about one day in the future an IPO may be on the horizon for GYG. And Tom's given us a lot of good information on 
how he thinks about, you know, getting companies ready for an IPO. So we're interested to know, you know, how you're thinking about the possibility of an IPO on, on the horizon and the steps that you're taking with TDM to be ready for that eventuality whenever it may come in the future. You know, it, it's funny, you know, what, what's important to TC and TDM are, are important to me too, but it's kind of like when you build a business, you can't have systems like world-class systems immediately. You know what I mean? So yeah, you, yeah. It, there's a sequence to what you do. And so we started to do the only thing I care about is that people ate it. So I was just fixated <laughs> on revenue, right? Because if I had no revenue, I had no business, right? Eventually I'd have the best, you know, inventory systems and everything. But I wanted to build a brand that people really loved. You know, and the only way you build a brand that people love is you have food that they really want, that's honest, and you have people that want to sell it. You know what I mean? And then you deliver that, we call it the GYG experience. I was fixated on that. I remember some of the boards like, all you think about is revenue. I said, and because I'm a finance guy as well. So I knew where the economics, where the business were. But I know if tomatoes go from $4 a kilo to $6 a kilo, and I'm doing 25 a week to 80 a week, it's a little bit easier to deal with at $80,000 a week than at 20. So I knew, because we deal with all fresh produce, I knew that revenue helps me if there's market conditions or what's happening. So there's a sequence that has when you build a business. So to me, it was about it was about revenue. It was about obviously product. It was about people. And then slowly as you get in, you know, you need to make sure your finance is tight, right? At any time, I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs like, well, I'm not a CFO. I don't really know finance. Well, if you're a founder and a CEO, you better know finance. You got to know how to run your business. You got to know the economics of your business. So I'm lucky the economics of a restaurant business is, is relatively easy, in my opinion. You know, and then it's figuring out who do you bring in? You know, and where your weaknesses are. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And I'm, but I'm very good at finding out what I'm not good at and finding those people. You know, and TC talks about board. My board, you know, our chairman's a guy named Guy Russo, who's the CEO of McDonald's and obviously turned around Kmart and Target. I mean, he's, he's the best, you know. And the guy before him was Steve German, who's probably one of the smartest investors in Australia. They've been with me for 10 years. You know what I mean? So we've picked amazing people that understood the journey. Like you want, besides capital, you want intellectual capital. So slowly, man, along the journey, we just kept making sure that what wasn't really working for us, we replaced with best in class. Like, you know, with our, you know, our inventory systems and, and, and our financial reporting systems, you know, bringing in right now, I have a guy named Mike Hershowitz who built Accent Group with Daniel Agostinelli and, and Hilton Brett. This guy's the best CFO, CEO in the country. So he takes care of all the back end stuff. I take care of all the front end stuff. You know, so it's it's the most important thing is building a team that gives you accurate reporting. Everything's is 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 obviously the you know, you get so much data, you need those insights into your business. So I think when you when you check all these things that you're ready for IPO and then people look at me, why would you want to be scrutinized in the public markets? Mm. You know the markets. But where I want everybody to eat a three dollar taco, I want everybody to own a share of GYG. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how cool would that be? Like, you love the three dollar tacos, or you love our guacamole, and now you can have a piece of GYG. That's the trip. And, and Tom says that you know when you have you know everybody has options at GYG at Ola Central. Like to have those guys have that come to fruition where they can actually own shares and have that change their lives. And that's that's an amazing experience and ability to be able to do that to someone. Is that the biggest motivator to help people? own a share of the company and and enjoy the you know the fruits of their labor in some ways yeah and have the public own it like if you love gyg and you can buy shares in it that's awesome and i had a dream as a kid man after running hedge funds i always wanted to take a company public and this is something that the people that are involved with I me mean, they love it it's a special business right and i'm sure people say that about their businesses but you know we have so many advocates of gyg and and the growth of gyg right now is it's it's exceptional that it really, to me, that's all I'm fixated on is making sure that it continues to grow and then people can have a piece of it. It's awesome. Do you think being a public market CEO might change your entrepreneurial mindset in any way? Are you kind of thinking about how that might 
Well, I know. I think they thought I'd go through media training. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said the F word once today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want TC to yell at me. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, I'm pretty confident that way. Yeah. Sure. No, but, you know, the thing is, like, there's personality, right? And there's yeah. passion behind what I do. And that may sound a certain way. This business means everything to me, and I would never do anything to hurt it. And I think with TC and the board, it's just that we all feel the same way. Let's just make sure that we keep doing what we're doing. Just make sure we're tight on governance, which you have to be. Like, you, you know, you, you, you turn into a publicly traded company, like we have responsibility to shareholders, and I take that very serious. I think that's the key thing is that we, we don't want Steve to change at all. Mm. And the key for any founder, but, and, and Steve has done it very well, is to recognize what he's good at mm. and where he needs help. Man. And he, I mean, he talked about Mike. I think that's a, you know, Mike's been an amazing addition to the team. And there's been a number of times where Steve has done that. And he knows that that brings, uh, you know, the, the A team and the A team will get the outcome. He cannot do it all himself. Mm. We don't want him to change that, that entrepreneurial flair. He's got an amazing uh, gut feel for the food and, and what is a great menu item. Mm. And he's got an amazing feeling f to how to build a brand and keep at it. Just on that, Tom, then, when you guys came in as investors in GYG, what have you really brought to the table in terms of your expertise in that process that we spoke about in the last episode? Where have you sort of filled the gaps the most? Yeah, so I think we're, in terms of what Steve talked about, there's a right time when you start focusing on different things. Mm. And, you know, the business, I can't remember exactly, let's call it was 200 million revenue when we first invested. And Steve has, you know, a very clear objective to build an amazing business over a very long term. Now's the time to build and scale the business for the future. So in the last 18 months, pretty much every system has been overhauled. You d you don't want to do a, a new ERP once you're public. So let's make sure we've got the best technology and leveraging that technology. So the team has done an amazing job over the last 18 months on that. Let's make sure we've got, we've got the right board. Well, Steve, as it happened, had already done an amazing job on that. He had three or four of the best non-executive directors you could dream of. And so he'd done exceptionally well there. So there's been very limited changes at, at, at board level, really, apart from Hilton and myself coming onto the board. You know, and we've worked with, with Steve on a number of things around, you know, making sure that the entire team does have options and, and making sure that's the whole process and, and nailing that and, and a whole raft of other things. But it was the right time to bring in someone like us who can, I suppose, help bring in that additional rigor to help the business scale to the next level. But TC, if I can say something, what, what's amazing about TDM is the level of due diligence I remember like after like a month and I'm like, is this ever going to end? <laughs> I spoke to every supplier, every franchisee, every real estate deal. I'm like, this better pay off. <laughs> and it's funny, a guy who sits on a broad, Bruce Buchanan, who's, uh, who has, who's the CEO of Rocked, who's one of the best entrepreneurial CEOs. He's like, do you sure you know what you're doing? Now, T TDM's investor is. I said, I told you. <laughs> no, but what happens with that level of due diligence, man, and these, I mean, these guys, we work hard. These guys work hard. Is that because they're not private equity, right? They're in it for the long term and so am I. You make the right decisions together. Like mm. when, when TC speaks to me, like I know we're not doing anything short term just to create, you know, it's not an opportunity, a monetary opportunity grab. It's kind of like, what is best for this business? Like we're just starting. You know what I mean? We only have 140 plus restaurants. McDonald's has 30,000. Chipotle's got 3,000. Mm. Thousand. Yeah. We got 140. That's it. You know, but we've worked so hard that we've built something where somebody said to me, well, you're not McDonald's. I said, no, we're, we're, I think we're better. We, I think we own fast food. We're just still young. 
Mm. We don't have a lot of restaurants yet. We just got to keep building them. But but it's that journey, never being rushed. Like you know, I think you know, TC something once. You know, you invest in companies that that can't be replicated. And, and you can't like, there's a restaurant in New York called Baltazar, right? I go to every city, everybody tries to copy it. You can copy the fit out, you can copy the menu, but you can't copy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think with GYG, I mean, when you're aligned, you know, with one another, maybe that's not the right word, but TC and I, you know, we see eye to eye with Guy Russell on the board. It's like where we truly believe this company can be and we, and we make sure we, that we're together on all those steps, which makes it great. And it's no pressure. Like, like I know, man, he's got an amazing analyst group over at TDM and these guys do due diligence on every fast food company in the States, every loyalty app, every, you know, every app, you know, to do delivery, which obviously GYG app, you know, the level of work these guys do to help us is insane. And, I, and that's what gives us a major, major edge. I think that alignment piece is very important. You, you need, well, we always say, you need, to be our, you need to be fundamentally aligned around core values. And Steve mentioned around the people during COVID. That was a very easy discussion at board level. We're all aligned. We, we understand that people are the most important asset this business has. We want to keep the people under pretty much any circumstance. And that decision was made very quickly and it, It sounds like you guys are highly aligned and I I don't want to throw a cat amongst the pigeons, but I'm going to anyway. (laughs) Obviously, when TDM first came on board, your perspectives would have been very different. You know, Stephen, you would have been building the business for over a decade. Tom, you were investing in a lot of businesses, but were relatively new to GYG. Was there anything where you guys didn't like weren't aligned and you had very different perspectives on a certain issue or a certain aspect of the business? And then as a founder and a major investor, you had to sort of overcome that and and find alignment as you get to know me i'm, I'm extremely direct and extremely <laughs> transparent and, and and i would honestly tell you if it, I, we haven't had one case like that with him really and i, wow. I think it's because of the due diligence process we had to make sure we were the we were the right partners for each other not once you know what i mean because i think tc understands how important you know what i mean like i keep going back to it man it's the experience at GOG and the people what else are you going to invest in Mm. That's investing, right? I mean, do you have the right management? Do you have the right product? Do you have the right people? Do you have the right vision for what the future has to be? Are the economics right for your business? If he knows that's so important to me and that's why he's investing, what are you going to disagree on? And I think the other thing is if you think up front, you know, we, we always say it's a marriage. If, if you think up front there may be an issue where you might not have alignment, well, raise it at the beginning yeah. and get alignment. So there were there were two key things that we got alignment up front. You know, the business, as Steve talked about, was focused on revenue and, and, and that was the right decision for the first 10 years of its life. But the back office wasn't where it needed to be. And so, you know, we came up with a plan right at the beginning. We said, guys, this is what best in class looks like from a back office perspective. Do you agree? And do you agree we need to fix it in the first 18 months? Quick conversation. Steve's like, if that's what best in class is doing, if that's what it is, let's do it. So, well, that's, that was an easy conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we like that really on any topic. If you've got an issue, you raise it, you get alignment, you move on. You know, I've come, we, we actually had one issue. Okay. We were, oh, yeah. I, met, I, met, I met TC at our store in Australia screen. He's like, I think we got a problem. I'm like, yeah, what's that? He goes, what's up with the plastic bags? I'm like, they're biodegradable. He goes, biodegradable plastic bags? He says, yeah, it says it on it. He goes, I know. You know what I mean? I said, we're trying to go to paper. He's like, let's go quicker. Because <laughs> <laughs> all of our packaging is made of sugarcane pulp and compostable cutlery. Even though it said biodegradable, he was like, I don't know if I believe that. Mm. I said, I don't believe it either. But I have 800,000 things I'm doing. But you know what? You're right. Let's change it. And that was it. 
Wow. Wow. So your your due diligence process seems extremely robust. Extreme. <laughs> yeah. Depends who you talk to. Cast an eye over equity bets. But you know what happens? It's so thorough. Like you, you think it's exhausting, but you know when the partner like he knows everything. Yeah. He yeah. can't be like, I didn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> In broad strokes, we don't need to go into too much detail. It sounds like we might be here all day, but can you just give us broad strokes? what you needed to do to be comfortable with GYG, but with any business you're investing in before you actually make that investment? Well, as I said before, it's a marriage. So we actually think it's beneficial for both parties to do detailed due diligence on each other. I mean, in terms of we gave Steve a list of 10 or 15 CEOs that we'd worked with and their phone numbers. And he went and called them. Now, a lot of people, a lot of CEOs don't do that, but he wanted to make sure that we were the right partner for him and, and we think that's the right thing. So in, ter- in terms of us, I mean, our process and is, I suppose, I mean, it does take some time and, and certainly it's not easy on, on, on management, but getting alignment, us understanding the business. So when we come to that first board meeting, we know exactly what's going mm. on. I, I would say it's actually a win-win for both parties and, and we want them to do the same work on us. So it's both ways. That says either a lot about TDM or a lot about your confidence that you're willing to give a list of 15 CEOs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's both. You know, when we went on, you know, obviously we went on a roadshow to raise capital. I mean, we spoke to over, I think, 25 different companies. You know, I mean, and, and nobody, I mean, you, I mean, you can sit, I mean, I have very good uh, intuition. You know, I mean, I, I sat across from TC. I was just like, man, this is it. Mm. And after going through New York, San Francisco, LA, you know, Singapore. Wow. I mean, these guys, man, they got, they got an amazing team. That's pretty high yeah, price. Built an amazing business. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. slipped in fifty. Before yeah, 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 yeah. Looking forward to the due diligence yeah. process on the equity maintenance business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one last question around the IPO process that you know you're one day thinking about undergoing. Is there anything that surprised you about it? Like you've obviously, Stephen, you've been in markets for years on the investor side, and then you've been building this business. But was there anything um, in conversations with Tom or anyone else that surprised you that you didn't think that you would? have to do before you went public that you're now building into your plan? Well, I, I guess it's lucky because I don't have to do a lot. I, mean, <laughs> I, I rely actually on TDM. I'm, my job is to run this business and grow revenue. Yeah. I mean, obviously TDM and, and Mike Kershowitz and our finance team, you know, take care of a lot of stuff. But the level of governance, you know, and, and documentation is is a lot, which I've always been, we've been audited for years and we run a really, really clean, tight ship. Like, Unless you, and, and I believe in it, right? I mean, it's kind of like, that's how we run restaurants. We run our business the same way, but. And you've we, had a board for 10 years. I've mean, had a yeah. board for yeah. 10 years, like a real board. You know what I mean? No, I mean, I mean, it's, it's just getting everything even tighter, you know, more documentation, making sure that we're right. So when, you know, when potential investors read, man, I want them to, it's kind of like when we, you know, with the due diligence that, that TC did, man, it was, it was so thorough. You know, I think as GOG grows, man, it was, it was different. Like back in the day at GOG when we were losing so much money, I'm like, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. You know what I mean? <laughs> Try the black beans or I swear you've never had a piece of steak like this. Now it's kind of <laughs> like, I want you to read everything. Yeah, I want you to yeah. know everything. I want you to make sure this decision is your decision. Like you're not selling it to anyone. You know, you want somebody to come part of this journey, but to be, have the ability to do such thorough research that they're making up their mind on their own. And I think um, having that level of documentation and due diligence, you know, with our law firms or our investment banks, man, it's it's key. But it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know. And my job is to make sure I don't take my off my business as we as we prepare for an IPO. Yeah. So I'm going to ask TC for a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you find that that sometimes happens, Tom? That founders or CEOs get so focused on the IPO process that they take their eye off their business? We want to make sure 
that the management team don't take their eye off the business. I mean, there, there is, you can't get around, you know, the road show, they want to meet Steve. So there are certain oh, things. I think Stephen's going to be fine on a road yeah, show. No, 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 I'm not worried about that. No, my, my point is that is in a, you know, that's a week or two to intent. There are certain things that he, he, he has to do, but we want to take as much pressure off the management team as possible. So we ideally will try and take wherever possible away from the management team to allow them to run the business. Because if they're not running the business, we all have problems. Mm. So, I mean, that is part of our our pitch, so to speak, to founders is we're actually here to help. We're here to take some of that workload uh, away from you so you can run the business and get the best outcome from a business perspective. You know, with TC and his team is that, you know, I mean, it's kind of like with me, you know, as, as the founder and the CEO, like I'm in this business. You know, TC doesn't have like a team of analysts working with TC's in it with us, with his team. And I think you, you really don't see that. When we look at other private equity firms, you probably have a team of young analysts helping you out. But like you got somebody who's got a ridiculous amount of experience with you not like kind of with you mm. but like with you and yeah. i think that's i mean that pairing is what will give us the the high probability of being very successful mm. well steven i know you need to get back to uh what was the name of your hq hola central hola central <laughs> i'm actually going to la cocina first <laughs> Testing some new uh, menu items. Oh, nice. So that's a great part of the job, I imagine. <laughs> but if we ever IPO, I can't tell anyone until we launch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, a rather inspiring conversation, I must admit. And one thing that we always try and get all of our guests to pass on to our listeners is a, perhaps a, a book that they're reading at the moment or that is a must read, either investing related or otherwise. And I'm sure in the entrepreneurial space, you know, a lot of our listeners would love to know if there's anything from your point of View that uh, are, are a yeah. Must I actually read. just finished a Theranos book. It's oh, oh yeah, blood. Bad Blood, awesome yeah, book. Uh, don't yeah. do that. No, <laughs> I, I thought he was going to say scaling up. By yeah, 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 yeah. it is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, man, you, I mean, I get, really, I mean, you know what's great about this world now? I mean, because because it's actually very transparent. I mean, you you have to be competitive, but you you have to have ethics. Mm. Mm. People keep thinking you can't build a, a business that's sustainable and competitive and not have ethics. Mm. Like ethics is everything. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, the Theranos book, man, these guys are, I mean, I can't believe they would just believe this lady left and right. No, she never even produced a device. You know, it's, it's amazing. But uh, yeah, ethics is everything. Yeah. yeah. They needed a TDM level of due diligence yes. before investing. Yeah. <laughs> TC would be like, where's the machine? It's coming. All right, where's the machine? Yeah. Speaking of scaling up and TDM, if you would like further resources uh, on everything we've sort of spoken about, the IPO process, as well as uh, more info on the Scaling Up podcast, and to subscribe to their quarterly newsletter, head to tdmgrowthpartners.com. A wealth of information there for all sorts of investors to sort of better their investing journey. So make sure you go and hit that up, tdmgrowthpartners.com. But Stephen and Tom, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Best of luck with uh, the next phase of uh, Guzman Y Gomez. I love eating it. Alec loves eating it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Actually, mate. Yeah, Guzman, no, a lot thank of fun. You. you guys, you guys are very <laughs> good guys. guys. And hopefully at some point, Bryce can actually get the name right. Guzman Y Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't hear me, don't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Say G-Y-G, it's easier. Yeah, G-Y-G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Tom, again, thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. 
The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 